I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. On Make It Cute, we make good food and cocktails too. I'm here for you to make it cute. Yeah, make it cute. Oh, me and you. Hi, welcome back to another episode of Make It Cute. I'm so excited that you're back, and I'm super excited about this episode. I do want to talk a little bit about the content surrounding this episode a little bit, and also just, like, disclose the fact that this is the first podcast of my birth month. I am so excited. There are so many things that I feel like have happened over the past year. I am 23 going on 24, and I just cannot believe it. If you've been with me for a while or if you've known me for a while, you know that I always try to age myself up and look ahead. And I do talk about my goals a lot on here because I do think it's nice to have a little bit of insight on who you're listening to. Uh, This episode isn't really going to be a goal check-in or anything like that. Maybe closer to my 24th, I'll do an episode about turning 24 on uh, on the 25th. I think that This episode is going to be really interesting because it's something that I feel like we all know of and we all can kind of relate to in some way, shape, or form. And it's an event that happens annually. And it's the Super Bowl. Whether you're doing Super Bowl squares or hosting a small socially distanced gathering, or you usually host a big party, but you're not going to host a big party this year since you're a socially responsible adult, Whatever you do to celebrate the Super Bowl, I think it's still super important to talk about it because it is a once a year event and it's such a big event that brings so many people together. So this entire episode is going to be super Super Bowl centric. Try saying that three times fast. 
I know I can't. And the recipes will follow as such. So if you're listening to this on Friday, then you have some time to prep for your Super Bowl party. I am going to talk about what I'm actually taking to a Super Bowl small gathering that I'm going to. Um, Food-wise, it's actually a dessert, and it's going to be really easy to put together and really delicious. And then I'm also going to talk about if I was hosting a Super Bowl thing and I wanted to get my friends nice and feeling really good, what I would put on there as well. So let's get into the content. So I was sitting here just thinking, what am I going to record about this week? What are we going to talk about? What are we going to delve into? And the thing is, I will fully disclose, I am not a huge sports fan in any type of way, shape, or form. Even before I got a super busy nine-to-five job and started building social media portfolios and started being a podcast host and, you know, started writing my book and everything, I still would spend my time elsewhere than to engage in following sports religiously. No, no hate to anyone who does that. That's just not something that I find my time I want to spend it there, but it is a great way to connect and bond with other people. It is amazing how whenever I do keep up a little bit with some a couple sports teams, how there's so much connectivity and camaraderie that can be established from just kind of keeping up with that. But historically, I don't really keep up with it. I think since we are in quarantine and since I have literally nothing better to do, I have been following sports a little bit more. But I live alone and I'm not going to scream at my TV alone. I it's going to be, I don't necessarily care too much, I guess, but the Super Bowl is something that I always love, and I love doing Super Bowl squares. I think those are always really fun, um, but another thing that I really love about the Super Bowl time, and the one thing I will watch the Super Bowl for year over year, is the halftime performances, and of course, the national anthem. There's so many artists who have performed, and so many do it well. I'm going to talk about a list that I found on the internet of ranking the top 10 Super Bowl performances. I'm going to talk about my thoughts on them, whether I agree, if they belong on this list, whether I agree on their positioning, um, and all that jazz. And some of these performances did take place before I was even born, so take that with a grain of salt that I may not have the best perspective, but the perspective is my own, and we're just going to hang out and talk about that. Um, So I want to give a special shout out first to the National Anthem. And I think this was a Super Bowl performance where one of the greatest renditions of the National Anthem came to be, and that was Whitney Houston's. Um, I actually will play the National Anthem from her if I have to listen to it or if I'm doing like a beer Olympics or something really fun. Um... I really like that rendition. And I mean, Whitney, you can't beat her. She is untouchable. I think that there's been some people who have performed the national anthem quite beautifully, but none have done it the same way that Whitney has done. There is a reason why she has her own rendition of the Star Spangled Banner on Spotify. That That's it. That's the tweet. <laughs> so I want to get into this list. This list is by BBC and... Um, I think I'm just going to jump right into it. So the first, or I guess the last, so this list goes from 10 to 1. 
So the last one on this list is, I'm reading this list for the first time as well, so you will catch my real-time reaction. So I think number 10 is very bold to include on this list, um, and it is Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake, P. Diddy, Nelly, Jessica Simpson, and Kid Rock in 2004. Um, I think that we can all know which one this was. Um, this was the one that definitely kind of shut down the house. And I don't really like the fact that this one is on the top 10 list. Um, this top 10 list is supposed to be the top 10 best, not the top 10 most memorable. And I think that, you know, there was a great performance up until Janet Jackson ended up getting blacklisted from pretty much the entire music industry. I love Janet. Um, I listen to her music all the time. And it's one of those things that I know that this event in her career was definitely transformative to the rest of her career. And like people just wouldn't touch her. And it's so unfortunate. And I could do an entire episode. I could talk so much about this. And actually, whenever Justin Timberlake was reinvited to perform at the Super Bowl, I think it was in 2018, I had some feelings. I had some very strong feelings about that considering he was part of the downfall of Janet Jackson getting blacklisted. But um, that's number 10. I definitely think that was a memorable performance. That was in 2004. And in 2004, I was probably about seven years old. So some of my listeners who may be older definitely may be thinking, wow, you're so young. And the answer to that is yes. But also, I just told you I'm only 23 at the beginning of the episode. So this should not come as any surprise. But again, I have lots of strong opinions on this particular performance, and I do think that it's a performance that shouldn't be on this list at all. I don't think it was one of the best performances. I think it was definitely memorable, and I think it was tragic, but um, I don't think it was the best, um, just due to the events that happened and transpired during that uh, show. I think there's definitely a lot more shows that could have been put there that are a little bit more memorable but this is not my list I'm just talking about it uh the next halftime show that's on there is Michael Jackson in 1993 this is after some of his surgeries at least the still that they used um I mean he looks badass what can I say he looks good um this is like before his health really started deteriorating to my knowledge I'm not a big like Michael Jackson knowledge base or anything by any means but I found it really interesting that Janet and Michael are both like back to back on this list um I'm sure he put on a really good performance he always had such a great stage presence and always was so creative so I don't have too much input other than that I have not personally watched this one um one it's because it was before my time and two um some of the Super Bowl halftime shows that I recognize are just going to be during my lifetime. So um, I guess that was the same reason, just kind of presented differently, but it felt right to break it out. I don't know. Sometimes you just got to go with your gut, go with what feels right, and um, just kind of leave it at that. Um, the next Super Bowl show halftime is number eight, Lady Gaga. Um, and I love Lady Gaga. I think that she is extremely creative. I think that she really put on a great show. She made a great meme from that show as well, whenever she fell from the ceiling. Um, and a lot of people equated her to looking like a bug, 
like crawling down the wall and I still that gif lives rent free in my head and I still think about that a lot more than I care to admit um speaking of Lady Gaga it's one thing that I find really interesting is that now like due to her latest album she actually has like a collaboration with Oreo um listen any brands that want to have a Miles X insert brand name here collaboration hit me up I'm more than willing and able um ooh. <laughs> sounded a little saucy um but i think that that's super cool but also i think that's a really good pivot point to talk about what i'm taking to my super bowl gathering this week um or this weekend so i am in my busy season at work i think i've mentioned to that on multiple episodes and it's one thing that anyone who knows me anyone who's like close to me knows that for these couple months, I kind of drop off the face of the earth. I'm working a lot, definitely a a lot more stressed, but, um, you know, all the work will get done. And that's what I got to keep telling myself. And that's why I think some of my episodes, um, when I was first kind of getting back into it, were really about kind of like mindfulness and like keeping myself together and also just like discovering my life and all of that. I think there was a lot of reflection that was occurring then that now, I don't need to do. I think I can go in a little bit more lighthearted. Still going to have all of the pensive and human-centric episodes coming out in the future, right? But I think that one thing that I'm starting to do is starting to settle into this routine of this year. I think one thing that we have to all kind of like step back and recognize is that our routines are going to change month over month, week over week, day over day, and that one week is not going to look like the other. Um, And that one month is not going to look like the other as well. I think that a lot of amazing things have happened since 2021 has began for me personally. Um, But again, I am super busy. So whenever I was thinking about what I wanted to take to this Super Bowl gathering, I needed something a little bit more low effort. And I thought about dessert. My my friend, I had a call with her and I, I gave her a call. She was at Target and I was just like, hey, what do you want me to bring? And she was like, oh, uh, you can either bring alcohol or you can bring dessert. And I'm like, oh, it's a Sunday. I'm not really planning on drinking that much. So I'm going to opt to bring dessert instead. And then I'll just stay water-centric whenever I'm there. Um, Water or, you know, like a nice Coke Zero or maybe a ginger ale. Um, But, you know, nothing that my liver really has to process through. But I was like, what's something quick and easy? And what's also a dessert that I can go with? And I thought about my favorite bakery in New York, which is um, Rocco's on Bleecker. Um, I love that bakery. It is where I get my favorite cheesecake from. But what Rocco's is actually known for is their cannolis. So I got into the cannoli mindset and I was like, okay, what can I do that's somewhat easy? And then it kind of hit me. And I'm not saying, like, I didn't invent this recipe. Let's make that clear. I'm not taking credit for inventing the cannoli filling recipe, but I am putting my own little twist on it as always. And it's going to be a delicious twist. So you want to stick around for that. But we're making not cannolis from scratch because the only thing I don't like about cannolis is that they do have to be made fresh and or else the shell will get soggy. Oh, wow. (laughs) Try saying that a couple times fast. Or the shell will get soggy. That you got to like kind of switch up your your vowel sounds. But um, back into the cannoli. Um, I don't like that. So what I'm opting to do is cannoli dip. 
and I think dips are really popular during parties anyways. So that is what I'm offering for. And let me teach you how to make it. And also you're going to get a little bit of extra knowledge in this because I'm not using homemade vanilla extract, but I'm going to, we're talking about it. So I might as well talk about how to make it homemade if you want to really up the ante and up the wow factor. Um, so getting into the recipe, cannoli dip, how do you make it? Um, so one thing you're going to want is a really good ricotta or ricotta, however you want to pronounce it. Um, ricotta cheese. We've talked about ricotta on this pod before. Uh, we are big ricotta fans. Um, most good cannoli fillings have ricotta in it. And I know that sounds a little weird. Um, and texturally people are like, kind of like, how does that work? But it works so well. Um, and also I'm doing a little bit of a lazy hack for this. Um, and you'll hear about that <laughs> momentarily. Um, but yes, you're going to want a tub of cream cheese. So I'm using just a eight ounce tub of cream cheese, uh, of ricotta cheese. And then also I'm using an eight ounce uh, tub of whipped cream cheese. I like the whipped versus the blocked. Um, I think one, it comes to room temperature a little bit faster. And since it's whipped, there's already a little bit more air to work through. So that's really helpful with the process of like getting it mixed. Um, one thing I surprisingly don't own at this point in my life is like a, a stand mixer or a hand blender or anything like that, just because I live in a small studio apartment and I definitely don't have the room for that. Maybe once I move to a one bedroom, I'll invest in like a nice little KitchenAid or something like that. But while I'm living alone and living in my studio, I do not have the capacity for it. My air fryer already takes up enough space on my countertop and it doesn't even live there permanently. I could not imagine a KitchenAid, which would have to live on my countertop, probably permanently in my home. That is just not a thing. Um, regardless, back to the dip. So you're going to get your uh, cream cheese out a little bit early, maybe take it out about half an hour early. You want it to come to like, not room temp, but like you want it to be nice and soft. And you're also going to get a um, eight ounce tub or you could do 16 ounce and just like half it, but you're going to want some ricotta. And here's my secret. A lot of people will blend this using a hand mixer. A lot of people will blend this by hand. A lot of people will blend this in a stand mixer. I own none of those, but you know what I own? A blender. Yes. We're going to put this in our little mini blender and we're going to pulse it. We're going to use it like a food processor. I love this and it works really well. I made biscuits, um, last weekend and I used my blender as a food processor and it worked swimmingly. So we are going to do that as well. So if your blender does not, all blenders have a pulse function. What am I talking about? I had blenders that even had the physical buttons and those had pulse functions. So if you're saying that your blender doesn't have a pulse function, you are lying to me. And I don't like when people lie to me. And if it doesn't send me a picture of it, cause I'm genuinely curious on how you're functioning with that blender, please. Thank you. Um, anyways, so we're going to add in our ricotta and our cream cheese to our blender. And then what we're going to do is we're going to get a half a tablespoon or a couple of teaspoons, however much your heart desires of vanilla extract. I'm using this really cool, small batch vanilla extract by McCormick. Um, this is not sponsored by the way. I'm just talking about like what I'm using. If you want to replicate the flavors that I'm getting, um, it was bottled in 2017. So this vanilla extract was bottled four years ago. Um, 
at least that's how I'm reading the package. <laughs> Maybe I'm re misinterpreting it, but it says bottled in 2017. So I'm assuming that it has had time to age and the flavors have had time to develop. It is made in small batches. So I'm very excited. Um, this is my first time actually trying this um, versus like the regular vanilla extract or a homemade vanilla extract, which I'm gonna, I'm not putting the recipe for this really in the description of this episode, but I will just kind of verbally tell you because it's super easy. It's two ingredients. It is a vanilla bean pod. You're going to slice that bad boy open, put it in like a jar and then add some vodka. I, I would say vodka. Like you don't want to add gin to this. You don't want to add tequila. You want to add a neutral flavored alcohol. And what comes to mind is vodka. So you're going to add vodka to that. And then you're going to let that sit in your pantry for like fun. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Or wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. And the vanilla flavor will steep in it, and it's going to be great. I promise. It's going to be lilish. But yeah, homemade vanilla extract is super easy. Um, you just have to be patient and have the time to actually do it. But again, you're going to get about a half tablespoon of vanilla extract into there. And then you are going to get about a cup of powdered sugar as well. I know it seems like a lot, but also something like sweet. You have like, you know, a kind of sweet cheese. You have ricotta, which isn't super sweet, but can be sweet. You need the sugar in there. You're going to blend all that up. Then you're going to remove it to the bowl. Ideally, you want to remove it to the bowl that you're going to serve it in because then all you're going to do is fold in some mini chocolate chips. Do they have to be mini? Um, yeah, they do because the mini ones are super cute and you want this to be super cute for your cats. So you're probably thinking, what about the cannoli shell? Um, the cannoli shell, I actually got this tip um, off of like a couple blogs that do cannoli dip. Um, you're going to use ice cream cones. I bought some waffle cones. And I'm going to break them up into little pieces. I'm going to break up about six waffle cones. I don't have a per person waffle cone ratio. The box comes up 12. I bought two boxes just in case, but the cones ended up being like much bigger than I expected. So 
I think that six are going to work for me. And then I'm going to take the rest of the cones with me to the gathering. And if I need more cones, then I can always break it up. Um, the last thing you want is people have it and then try and eat the dip with a spoon. <laughs> but you're going to go ahead and fold in the chocolate chips, right? Break up those um, waffle cones, add a little bit of mint on the plate for garnish, maybe on top of the cannoli dip, top with mini chocolate chips. And also one thing that you could do, which is kind of like the mild special, is you can melt down a little bit of chocolate and whenever you blend your um, cream cheese, ricotta, and vanilla, you can basically make chocolate cannoli dip as well. And that is something that I find fascinating and I find delicious and, you know, if I have the time, I'll make both. If I don't, then I'll make one or the other. But regardless of the outcome, it's gonna be delicious. And that's my cannoli dip recipe. Getting back into the list of Super Bowl performances, we have a couple more to go here. Um, the next one we have is U2 in 2002. I will be completely honest. The only time I think I've ever listened to U2 is whenever they forcefully put their album on my phone. And I could not delete it for the life of me. You know what I'm talking about. If you had an iPhone in like the early 2010s, you know what iTunes did to us. And I'm pretty sure even on my phone nowadays, if I was to download music from my iTunes library, that song would still be on there. And I don't appreciate it. Thanks, you two, for putting your music on. I remember so clearly I was in high school and I was shifting through my songs in my playlist and I heard a song that come on that I didn't know. And I'm like, this is weird because back then you had to pay for all your music. I mean, here's the thing. You may pay for a streaming service, but you had to pay song by song for your music back then. And I was just so confused. I was like, well, I don't remember paying for this song. No, they were like, this is our gift to you. But it was a gift that I wish would have came with a receipt. That's all I have to say. I have no words about the YouTube 2002 performance because, like I said, I'm not a huge fan. Um... And the next performance is performance number six. Um, it's Bruce Springsteen in the E Street Band. Um, I think this was probably super patriotic, and that's all I really have to say about it. Sorry about it. The next one is actually one of my personal favorites, and it is number five. It is Katy Perry, Lenny Kravitz, and Missy Elliott in 2015. 2015 was a great year graduated college or I graduated high school started college did a lot of fun things in 2015 but I think the most fun thing to come out of it was the left shark meme um I remember that meme just like it was yesterday and I remember seeing left shark versus right shark and I was like I'm left-handed and I'm left shark um on the inside and I'm right shark on the outside it's kind of like zodiac signs it's like I am Pisces son of Libra moon and a Virgo rising so it's like that's my Virgo rising being right shark and my Libra moon being left shark um so I just think that's super interesting but I love that performance um I definitely think this performance belongs on this list and I think that it actually might be where it needs to be depending upon who else is on this list or maybe should be bumped a little bit higher because I think that performance was just iconic um Moving on to, wow, another one of my favorite performances. Um, I remember this performance very well as well. Um, it was Madonna, LMFAO, Nicki Minaj, MIA, and CeeLo Green. So Madonna had this song called Bitch, I'm Madonna. Um, 
and I think one the there was something problematic that occurred in this uh, one, and it's I think it's that MIA flipped off the camera. Um, but I remember "Bitch on Madonna" was such a horrible song, um, but I listened to it so much. Um, and then also, I think the main headline show of this song uh, of this uh, performance was "L U V Madonna." Why? Oh, you, you wanna? Um, so, one, Madonna did multiple songs with Nicki Minaj, which I find interesting that they did more than one song together. Um, and the, the second one, I think actually Bitch and Madonna came out a little bit later, now that I think about it. But um, this was an interesting performance. Um, I think Madonna was going through some things then, too, because I'm pretty sure a couple years ago, a couple years later, she ended up like, planting a nice juicy one on drake um i don't know if anyone remembers that i don't know i feel like the 2010s were kind of a fever dream um in a way but i'm so thankful to have seen all of this firsthand the next performance is aerosmith britney spears nsync nelly and mary j blige this is the most interesting lineup i think on this list thus far you have so many different personalities because you have like the rock factor of aerosmith the pop princess of britney spears the boy band of nsync and then you have nelly who's like a rapper even though nelly did have that country grammar album and oh that was that was an amazing album <laughs> let me tell you i i still listen to that album and then you have mary jade blige who's just like this beautiful soulful powerhouse i think this is such an interesting lineup and while i wouldn't remember it because i was only four years old or maybe three and three going on four the thing is the super bowl always falls in my birth month so it's like so do i round up do i round down like how does that work um but yes i was very young that is the that is the premise of what I'm saying. Um, and this seems like a show that I might actually want to look up on YouTube and like watch. This show sounds like it was full of icons and full of classics. And it's something that I would definitely be interesting in watching. But can I say that it belongs on this list any more than any other show? No, because I haven't seen it. Um, before we get into the final two, I want to talk about the cocktail. And this cocktail actually was one that I created over the summer. And this is a very alcohol-forward cocktail um, in the sense that it is alcohol with more alcohol. It's technically a short drink. Um, and by short drink, I mean like it's like a two-ingredient drink. But these two ingredients are super important. You can't really forego this step because like this is the cocktail itself. So I called this cocktail a pink poison. And actually, my friends over at Purewell ended up featuring it on their page. Um, and it, it was one of my first, like, really more so viral videos whenever I posted this. Um, again, this was way, way, way long ago. But this was a drink that I felt the need to create because, one, with the one ingredient that's in there, there wasn't a lot of drinks for that because it is a liquor that you could drink straight um just kind of like over the rocks but i found it so much better when you mixed it with this and again it's it's called a pink poison and it's called a pink poison because it's made with pink whitney and it has no like good nutritional source of anything it's just alcohol on top of alcohol and you don't need a pen and paper just listen to my words listen to my voice and 
you will remember this recipe because it's two ingredients. Um, the first ingredient is non-negotiable. The first ingredient is pink whitney. And you're going to get two ounces of the pink whitney in there. I like using a little bit more whenever it's a little bit like lesser proof or a little bit sweeter of a liquor. You still want that liquor flavor in there. I don't know. To each their own. Um, but this doesn't really taste like alcohol. You can definitely sip a bunch of these down and they'll catch up to you later in the night. So be careful with these. And that's where the poison aspect comes from. It. Um, but two ounces of pink whitney in a glass with ice. And then this, again, not super negotiable. Um, I wouldn't use the black cherry for this, but I would use a natural lime. I prefer the ruby grapefruit. Or you can use a raspberry white claw and you want to just top that off. And you can do a trash can style where, you know, you have it like in the glass and it kind of drains as you drink um you could skip that and just like top off when you need or make multiple drinks but that is literally it and i think for the super bowl and whenever you're drinking more so for results than anything else i think that's the perfect drink and it's definitely a drink that you can sip on like it's a drink that you may end up chugging because it just tastes good but it's also a drink that you can just sip on and I think one thing when you're hosting, you want low effort drinks. So when you're hosting, and I talked about this episodes ago, um, and when I give my best hosting tips, and I might do a revamped version of that episode in the future, but when you're hosting, you want to be able to cater to your guests and to make sure that you're meeting their needs. And if you're at the bar or at the countertop mixing cocktails all night, you're not going to have time to meet your guests' other needs. And that's equally important whenever you're hosting people. So that's why I wanted a nice, easy two ingredient drink that one, your guests can either make themselves, you could leave the recipe card out with a little um, jigger, which is a measuring tool for bars if you're not aware. Um, and you know, a little bar spoon to, to stir your drink in an ice bucket. You could definitely make this a self-serve thing, but it also reduced your cost because there's very little things that go into it. For 20 bucks, you can buy like a 12 can pack of White Claw. And like I said, I wouldn't use Black Cherry. So use those for drinking. You have nine for mixing, which I think is, you know, more than enough. Then you buy a bottle of Pink With Me, which is like another 20 bucks. So you spend 40 bucks and you're going to get probably 20 drinks out of this. Um, yes, I think yes. So that is the cocktail. And I, speaking of things that have the number two, I want to talk about the last two performances on this list. So coming in at number two is, oh my goodness, I'm very excited about this one because this is a performance that I've watched multiple times since it's aired. Um, and that is going to be Beyonce and Destiny's Child in 2013. This performance was iconic. It is definitely one of Beyonce's top performances, like publicly, like non-tour. I think this performance was absolutely amazing. It was earth-shattering, life-changing. Beyonce has performed at the Super Bowl so many times, and I love that for her. And anyone who's listened to this podcast knows that my first episode was dedicated to Beyonce. So if that's not a testament to whether I believe that she belongs on this list or not, um, you might be listening to the wrong show. I think that Beyonce's performance in Setlist and bringing Destiny's Child out was just so smart and so well thought out. 
she's extremely talented on her own but the nostalgia factor of destiny's child even whenever she brought destiny's child out on her coachella tour or her coachella performances that again still amazing and it just differentiates that from any other beyonce performance beyonce always finds a way to outdo herself and i'm so excited to see what this year and the next coming years bring her um i think she's always raising the bar and when you think about this 2013 she had you know quite a few albums out but think about how her discography has grown now and how her presence has grown now one thing that i always find baffling and one thing that i always will love is that if you type beyonce in your phone siri will autocorrect you and i think it's as you should like put some respect on the queen's name and finally coming in at number one we have prince in 2007 with that big funky blue or purple guitar i do not really remember this performance um one thing i can say is i was living in georgia at the time i probably knew it existed but i think prince was something that i got into a little bit later in life um so that's a performance that i haven't seen but it is prince and i know prince puts on a hell of a show so i would say this belongs on this list but i say it deserves the number one spot I don't know. Would I say Beyonce maybe deserves the number one spot? Maybe. Is there a little bit of bias behind that decision? Also maybe. But regardless, it's a decision that I'm willing to make. But I hope this was a fun little blast from the past and a little bit trek down memory lane to get you ready for your Super Bowl um, festivities this coming weekend. And I hope that you're ready to tune in for the next episode because this month is going to be a really fun month for episodes. I can feel it with Valentine's Day approaching and my birthday approaching. And I'm also going to have a guest on later this month. So I'm really excited for you guys to find out who that is. Keep tuning in. Keep being awesome. And don't forget to make it cute. And I'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Hope you had a good time. If so, then please subscribe and leave a review. Cause this podcast is new We drink, we eat, we laugh out loud My name is Miles, that's all for now Hope you had a good time If so, then please subscribe and leave a review Cause this podcast is new We drink, we eat, we laugh out loud My name is Miles, that's all for now